opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. Good morning. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, California. Streaming online at KUCI.org and podcasting on iTunes. Welcome to Fighting for Love. This show will help you turn conflict into collaboration in all your relationships. I'm Lloyd, the show's engineer, and your host is Murray Frank, an attorney mediator since 1985. She's a mediator for the Orange County Superior Court Civil Mediation Panel. Murray's a professor of negotiations and conflict management and has been a certified state bar trainer for over 25 years. To learn more about the show and our great guests, please visit conflicthealing.com. Mari, what's your show about this morning? Well, Lloyd, today our show is about such an important issue, and that's healing and wholeness. And I've just been reading this wonderful book by Bill Harris called How Healed Do You Want to Be? Finding Hope and Wholeness in a Sharp edged world. And I have to tell you, I had the wonderful opportunity to hear Bill speak and speak about healing just a couple weeks ago. And I got his book and I said, you got to come on and hear he's going to be joining us in just a second. And I'm just thrilled because I think you'll get a, a quite a bit of inspiration and love from him. So let me tell you a little bit about his background. Bill Ferris is a professional Christian counselor with offices in San Juan Capistrano and Costa Mesa, California. Now, in addition to his ministry as a licensed pastoral counselor, Bill is also the founder and pastor of Vineyard at Home, a vineyard-affiliated home church here in Orange County, California. Bill is also the author of the books, the one I just told you about, How Healed You Want to Be, and The Christian Leader's Wish List, and Homegrown, Our First Steps in Bringing the Church Back Home. Bill is also a speaker and seminar teacher, and he has co he has been a co-leader of an annual 10-day long retreat providing deep care for pastoral com- couples. Bill and Robin, an assistant professor of nursing, have been married for 40 years, and they have four children and triplet granddaughters. So we're thrilled to have him. You can find out more about him, see his web see his picture, his bio, JPEG of his book, and we link to his website at our website at conflicthealing.com, and you can go to Bill Ferris, F-A-R-I-S dot com. Bill, thank you so much for joining us. It's such a privilege, Mari. Thank you for inviting me. Well, this is a wonderful book, How Healed You Want to Be, Finding Hope and Wholeness in a Sharp-Edged World. Tell me, how has it come to be that you decided to write this book? You know, it's a funny story. I was in a uh, grad school class quite some time ago when a professor asked us the question, what is your notion of healing? And, of course, I said to myself, well, everybody knows what healing is. It's, um, uh, it's you know, I, I, I couldn't actually quantify or explain it. It's uh, something that we ask a lot of that word healing. We say, my left arm was healed, you know, after I broke it, or my marriage needs healing, or the country needs healing. Uh, 
we use it to cover a lot of different uh, ideas, but we all know that we're thinking about something when we say healing, and I thought, well, let's dig into really what healing that word describes, and then maybe that will help us to discover where we are in the healing process, no matter what we're talking about. Yes, and you spoke about healing, about the, the five aspects of it, and I'd love for you to just share that with our with our audience since you talk about it in this wonderful book. Well, I'd be honored to do that. It's, uh, it's pretty simple. I've got them all arranged under a letter R, so I can remember them and share them. <laughs> the first aspect of healing that we're talking about is the removal of that which causes injury. So really, we really can't talk about healing going forward until we talk about getting rid of what's hurting us, harming us, or is toxic to us in whatever way we're thinking about it, whether it's spiritual, emotional, relational, physical, whatever it might be. we got to remove the source of the injury. And then we would go on to thinking really in the second dimension of healing about repair. Now that we've got the, 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 the issue uh, removed that's causing us injury, how do we go about repairing the relationship, repairing my body, repairing my spiritual condition, whatever it might be. So repair becomes the second issue of healing. And then moving on there to restoration, getting back what was lost in the wounding or in the injury or in the loss. And now we try to get back and restore and return what was lost in, in, our, in our difficulty, in our struggle. Then from there we move on to redemption, the idea that something that we've gone through that's been difficult can actually be turned for good. And when we talk about redemption, we're talking really about uh, what God can do with our deepest wounds, mm. can turn them for a source of blessing. Finally, we would look at the issue of revelation, and that is uh, the rarest. I think there's very few people that actually go that far into their healing process, but those that do really stand out, and this is the idea we could ever actually thank God for our deepest wound if it's how we most powerfully came to know Him. Mm, that's so beautiful. That's, that's really our spiritual transformation when we get there, right? Yeah, totally, absolutely. Yeah. I know you talked in your book and you also had in your talk about what deep, deep pain you went through with your wife. Would you be willing to share that with us? Yes, I, I'd be happy to. Um, now, 18, well, nearly 18 years ago in uh, February of 2000, um, my wife and two of my four children were in a uh, terrible auto accident uh, here in Orange County. Um, my two children, thankfully, were spared any serious injury. Uh, the passenger in the truck that crossed the center line and T-boned my wife's minivan, that passenger was killed. Mm. Um, my wife was brutally injured in the accident. Uh, she did survive it, but she had a over 50 broken bones and three brain injuries. She was rushed to Mission Hospital. Uh, I was uh, at home, um, and I got a, a phone message from the hospital saying, you know, come over here right away. Your family's been in an accident. We need you to come right, right to the emergency room. And um, when I got there, I found out that my children were thankfully um, um, not not seriously harmed, uh, but my wife, they told me, they sat me down and began to list out her injuries, and it was uh, it was pretty brutal. To in fact, it was overwhelming. I couldn't even really mm. end the whole situation, and that began, Mari, a 
71-day stay at Mission Hospital. Oh. And then, uh, really, um, she's had many surgeries since then. She's had many countless hours of physical therapy and other things. But also, it would appear that there was also a miraculous dimension to her healing uh, having to do with some brain shearing that uh, apparently took place in the head trauma she endured. So her our healing journey has been very comprehensive, physical, emotional, family, spiritual, literally every level of life has been impacted by that, that experience. But I'm happy, thankful to say, not only did she recover, um, her uh, brain injuries resolved in the hospital to the point where she went back and finished her bachelor's and master's wow. in nursing, and now she's working on a doctorate. Oh, God bless her. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, she does have some physical things that she still carries, but, but uh, she's, she's just, everybody calls her the miracle lady. Yes, yes. So you actually went through all these five steps when you went through that healing because you had to go through all of the spiritual healing, the physical healing with her, and your own healing of this horrible event for you. And um, so what, what was the revelation for you? What was the transformation, the evolution of your soul and hers? I would say a couple things really stand out about it. One is we experienced an overwhelming measure of kindness. Mm. I just, I, I can't eat scratch. It wasn't like it was a week or two weeks or a month. It was literally months and months and months of people's love and support, people fighting with us in this, this, this uh, good fight that we had been thrust into. And that was very, very healing and very powerful for our whole family. Just for me or my wife. Then I think the other thing is, and I talk about this in the book, is that I experienced something I've never experienced before or since quite this way. I would say God gave me a gift of fight. Mm. To say, a gift of fighting faith. And it's something that I think of as lasting about three years. That first three years of her recovery, I felt like there was a fight that was given to me that uh, I can't really describe except that it just really sustained me through all the ups and downs, and there were ups and downs. Uh, But I just never lost sight of what I believed God wanted to do in her life and our lives through this, and I just was going to fight for that, whatever it took. And it it was not just my resolve, Mari. It was like... I was given a gift, and and I feel like there's others that probably know what I'm talking about that have been confronted by sudden onset crisis or even by a slow burning crisis, but they've been given a gift sometimes of being able to fight for the highest and best despite the setbacks. And that gift turns into something that you can give back. I mean, I would imagine you learned incredible compassion for your wife, for yourself, for the family. I mean, when things like that happen that are so challenging, the the depth of learning, the gift of growth, the gift of evolution, the gift of connection with God must have been really enormous, right? I, I would have to say, like nothing else I've ever experienced, and I think my wife would say the same thing. She, uh, despite the you know, tremendous pain that she still has in, in, mm. in some ways in her body, uh, but she has really, I think, would tell you that she has really grown spiritually from learning to trust God with the hardest thing she's ever had to trust him with. Mm. 
I think the toughest things in our lives, and I know you believe this and you've talked about it, is that that, that deep pain is really such an incredible um, impetus for great growth and great evolution. And, and for many of us, when we go through the deepest night the darkest night of the soul and the deepest pain, that's when we really connect with spirit, right? I mean, that's... The- I, I, think, I think that's the story again and again, and we hear, it, 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 I think pain makes us bitter or better. That's, that's, that's what it comes down to. Either we're going to grow, connect with God, connect with others, and find healing, or we're going to become uh, sort of closed in on ourselves and, and become bitter and angry and and sour people, and pain has the capacity to invite us into our yeah. response, and, and we, we, I, I pray that we choose the, the, the first one. Yeah, and it is a choice. People that are in pain and become bitter often don't realize that that was a choice they made, right? Yeah, totally. <laughs> Tell us a little bit then about your counseling ministry. I am sure that that experience that you went through with your family had an incredible impact on your life and your your career as well, right? Uh, no question about it. And actually, I've spent most of my adult years in the ministry. In fact, all of my adult years in the ministry in some form or another. Uh, but I had a call to really embrace counseling as a key feature of my ministry uh, really about 20 years ago. And I began to, uh, to, to pursue that. I went into to a graduate program in a wonderful school that was a, a beautifully spiritually uh, um, a healthy place and and uh, and as well as very good in terms of competencies, core competencies, and uh, came out of that and, and really was privileged to join a wonderful counseling group here, pioneering counseling group here in Orange County called Marriage and Family Matters. And uh, after the uh, death of one of the co-founders of that mm. ministry a few years back, uh, that particular ministry uh, closed its uh, its uh, offices and its uh, function, and I went, uh, now I, I function as a uh, sole proprietor. Uh, but one of the cool things is my Costa Mesa office is space I share with, among other people, my son Christopher, who is mm. family therapist as well. <laughs> Taken after daddy, huh? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really cool. It's really great to be able to, you know, say hi to each other a couple times a week and maybe grab a bite. Yeah. And, and share life that way. So he's the dad of the triplet girls, too. So Oh, <laughs> cute. Have lots of, we always have lots to talk about. Right, right. So I'm sure that your children were really impacted by almost losing their mother as well and going through that. How do you think it changed them? You know, very, very much so, Mari. I think, honestly, that I realized early on that one of the callings and one of the responsibilities I was going to need to carry was to try to keep our family stable, try to keep routines in place, and try to make it possible for our kids to process as best as they could what they were experiencing with their mom. If, If you know anything about brain injury, uh, there oftentimes is a period, sometimes short, sometimes long, of uh, behaviors and, and emotional responses that are not typical, right? Angry, angry or other kinds of things. And my kids had some exposure to that. Thankfully, my wife was not a long uh, sojourn in that area, but mm. it's not. They, 
they, they lost their mother in, in, in different ways at that time for right. a period of time. And then they got her back, you know, then they got her back. And my job was to help them to, to, to trust and to uh, work through what they were both losing and also to be open to how she was returning to their lives as she was able to. Because my, my wife's been a very active, hands-on mom, and, and you know, they lost a lot of... Uh, you know, when you go through a thing like that, Mari, yeah. you don't just lose your physical health. You lose the roles. I mean, my wife's a nurse. Yeah, Lip- yeah, Lip- which is such a caring profession, you know, for her to have to learn to be cared for, you know, because usually nurses are so giving, right, that they don't know how to receive. So that was a real lesson for her, I'm sure. You said it. You said it. No nurse wants to be a patient. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and boy, was she a patient. So That was her lesson. God gave her that gift, huh? <laughs> no kidding. Absolutely. Now my kids, you know, they're they're pretty spread apart in ages, but they're all you know adults or young adults, and and uh, they can each have their own story to tell about what they had to learn through this. Right. Right. So what do you, what do you do that's kind of unique as a as a counselor? Well, I'm, first of all, I want to make it clear I'm not a state licensed marriage and family therapist or, or a licensed clinical social worker. I do not diagnose and treat uh, maladaptive behaviors. I am not. Uh, therefore, uh, uh, most insurance companies don't work with me. I'm what's called a licensed pastoral counselor. I am trained. I have a master's degree in pastoral counseling. I have a lot of experience in this area, but it's a ministry and it's really rooted in a ministry identity rather than in a clinical identity. And so really I, I, uh, I, I encounter people as individuals and as couples uh, for the most part, and I work with them, I meet them where they need to be met in their lives, whether their issue is a spiritual issue, whether it's a marital issue, whether it's some kind of crisis recovery, or question that they're going through, or struggle that they're in, or they just want to interact with someone who can kind of coach them in how to, to, to grow stronger in their faith, or to grow stronger in their life skills. And so I really meet people on, on that kind of a basis and walk with them in life in ways that allow me to offer the ministry of presence. I listen. I come alongside. I, I enter into their reality as best as I can. And I also... Uh, think of it as a function of the ministry of prophecy, which is to say we try to hear what God is saying to them, either through his word or through our interactions themselves. And I also see it as a ministry of, uh, of, uh, of growth and, 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 and teaching. So it's, it's really kind of whatever combination of those kind of factors we need to put into effect. That's how we how we go after things. That's so beautiful, Bill. You know, um, I've been doing divorce mediation and other kinds of mediation for over 30 years. And one of the things that I have seen firsthand is those people who have a spiritual bend toward them, you know, in their lives, yes. seem to be able to do better as they go through the divorce. They, they trust that God is guiding them. They can forgive more easily than those who have no spiritual mind. And, and I really encourage people, without trying to push them, I encourage them if they, if they are going through a lot to get counseling. And also, because I think counseling that isn't spiritual can only take you like three quarters of a way across a river, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, that's a good way to put it. And for me, I know even when I went through my horrible divorce and my parents were dying at the same time, it was like everything happened at once. And um, I know that I, I did counseling, but I think the fact that I then really got closer to God during that time is, like, oh boy, that is what like carried me to the other side. And so I try and encourage people to do that without really infringing on their on their choice, but just telling them, hey, this worked for me, it might work for you. But I think that is so wonderful because you can counsel them on so many different levels and also really help them to know that they're not alone no matter what. <laughs> and otherwise, you know, you feel like you're in the fifth dimension when you go through a divorce. You really feel alone friends that were your friends maybe don't want to be with you anymore you know you have different friends you feel like you're out of sorts your life as you know it isn't the same and so when you have something that you can connect with at the deepest level of your being that is uh, so beautiful so i just i just honor you for for doing that and i honestly think it's it's so much better for the couples who are going through that well, you know, I, I can appreciate what you're saying. I, I think in my experience working with divorced couples really my whole life between my various kinds of ministries and, and so forth is, is has been really that I, I think it's the closest thing to dying and death that you can get to yes. and, and, and still be alive at the end of it, uh, physically anyway. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. Such, a, such a comprehensively impacting experience, and it just goes into every area of your life and every area of your being in such a powerful way, and yet this is, I think, where I, I think of the words of, I contrib- attributed to St. Augustine, although I've never been able to find the exact reference point, but I, I love this. This was the motto of the school that I went to for graduate school, which was, in my deepest wound, I saw your glory mm. dazzled me. Yeah. In my deepest wound, I saw your glory, and it dazzled me. Right. Because there's no... There's no place where we can where we can meet God more powerfully than where we need Him most desperately. Yes, and and that's why I think you know I think that that's part of what we're supposed to go through is when we go through that really really dark night of the soul. We're like at the very bottom. That's when we can look up. You know, <laughs> that's when we can look up and see. You know, our 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 oneness with spirit and that's no and i have to say this reminds me of a conversation my wife and i had after the accident uh it was some seven or eight months after the accident i know that because she was not able to go upstairs to our bedroom for the Mm. months after the the accident due to her injuries but we were talking one night in our bed about the experiences that we had gone through and she was crying and saying why did god allow this to happen i was just bringing my kids home from school yeah right why, why, why? And that why question, you know, and this might be for somebody going through something right now, a divorce, uh, a, a reversal of some kind of physical, spiritual, whatever it might be. Why? Why does this have to happen? Why me? Why now? Why in this way do I have to suffer? And I said to her that night, and I, and I, and I, I, felt, I felt that question. I, I was backed up against it as well, but I felt like, all I could say to her was, you know, honey, I don't know that in this life we'll ever know why. I don't know that it's going to be given to us or it's possible 
for us to know why in this life. But I do know this. God was there. Yes. And you know, I think when we go through these kind of things, we may not ever know why, but if we can know God was there, God is there, and he will never leave us, then we can still, we can go on, we can make progress. Yeah. You know, it's funny that you talked about that, and I remember you saying that at that, uh, when we were at that program, and, and I remember saying to myself, when I went through some, everything seemed to happen at once, it was like, you know, it was like supposed to be, you know, and I, and I said to myself, and said, I said, why me? But not like, why me? You know, yeah. complaining, it was like, why me? What am I supposed to do with this? What am I supposed to do now? Show me, you know? And and I that's how I felt about it. Like I felt this very strange connection like I had some duty that that I was being presented with, you know? Like do you accept this challenge? <laughs> kind of thing that's what I felt like like there was something I was supposed to do with it and obviously there was something that you and your wife were supposed to do with it and you're doing it well that's true and I think my wife would say the same thing is that we felt we have felt the honor and the privilege of being able to share out of our real story you know and others have told us again and again that it has met a need in their life to just hear right God do yeah so what was the biggest mistake you've ever made in your life? <laughs> <laughs> and how did you overcome it? <laughs> I think you're, you're, you're ready to walk on water and be a saint. <laughs> uh, you know, that's a great question. That's actually an accident-related story, and I'll try to shorthand it to say it had to do with losing a lot of money. <laughs> oh. I entrusted some of the settlement money from the accident to someone who turned around and lost a good deal of it. Oh. And it was my fault. It was on my watch. I mean, I didn't, I didn't transact the transactions that caused it to happen, but I, I was the one that was on the, you know, at the wheel when it happened in that sense. And so it was on my watch, and I felt just, just devastated when I realized. It took a while. I finally realized, oh, my gosh, this is what's happened. And I had to tell my wife, and I mm. just, you know, say, I'm so sorry, but this this is what's what, and I just the humiliation and the shame and the sadness of it all. And then um, a friend, my my friend, Doctor Steve Bagley said, you know, you're going to have to talk to your kids. Well, my daughter was a little too young to have this conversation with, but my three sons were old enough to do this, and so I took them out for a hamburger and I began to sit across the table from them and say, now here's some. So I need to show you kind of what the financial situation of our family is and kind of in a big picture way outline what had happened and, you know, so forth and so on. And I just felt terrible, you know, having to tell my children this. One was already married. One was about to get married. Mm. The other one was about to go into college and what have you. Oof. And so I, I, I said this, and then uh, uh, my second son looked up at me, Andrew, and he said he was the one that was actually in the accident along with my daughter. Mm. He looked up at me and he said, Dad, that's a bummer. That's, that's just too bad. You know what? <laughs> if that's the, he said, if that's the biggest mistake you ever make in your life, ah! <laughs> <laughs> Dad, he said, Dad, you've gotten all the big things right. Yeah. Uh, you love Mom. You love us. You're committed to all the right things, Dad. And, and then he said something I can't really repeat on the radio, but we all laughed afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> he, Out of the mouths of babes, big babes, uh, right? 
you know what? He gave me the impression that all the things that we had tried to teach our children, they were teaching back to us. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? I love it when our kids tell us back, well, Mom, I go, wow, that's so profound. I'll tell my daughter that. And she goes, Mom, that's what you told me. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. It, it didn't make the money come back, and it didn't make everything, you know, all better in that sense, but it did give me the relief to know that, Again, once again, in one of those times when you just feel like, you know, this is just a terrible, terrible situation, there was God speaking back to me from the... <laughs> Through your child, yeah, yeah. And and also, what a lesson, right? I mean, you, you have to forgive yourself. That was probably a forgiveness lesson for you. You had to forgive yourself for that and, and know that you did the best you could under the circumstances. Look at the situation that you were in. So if you say to yourself, I did the best I could given the situation, I can forgive myself. But um, we are just about out of time because I wanted to talk about forgiveness. We could have done an hour or more, right? (laughs) Absolutely, yes. Oh, so beautiful. Well, I I think that people will love to get your book. Let me just say the name of it again. This is How Healed Do You Want to Be? Finding Hope and Wholeness in a Sharp-Edged World by William Bill Ferris, F-A-R-I-S. So just give your website, and it's really time to go. Yes, thank you. It's, uh, Mari, it's BillFerris.com. That easy. So it's B-I-L-L-F as in Frank, A-R-I-S as in Sam, BillFerris.com. And there's information there about everything I do. So, and a picture of my family. Okay. Oh, beautiful. So thank you so much. And we will stay in touch and have you back again, especially for your next book. How about that? <laughs> I love it. You bet, Mari. Thank you. Okay. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. 